Hi, I'm Melody. I'm Candy. And I'm Gabe. And you're listening to Quirks, Bumps, and Bruises. Well, Gabe, you and I love church. And when I say church, I mean the experience of church. I don't mean the actual building. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just mean what takes place within the walls of the church. Mm -hmm. And we love to talk about church-type things because you and I both have been on church staff. I still am Mm -hmm. on a church staff as a worship leader, and you have worked on a church staff as a minister of youth and a minister of connections and that kind of thing within the church body. And um, so you and I, when we get to talking, (laughs) we, two hours later, you know, we're oh, yeah. talking church yeah. stuff because we it's just kind of part of our world. And Candy loves the church as well, raised in church and all that. So it's not that she doesn't love it as well, but she just wasn't able to be here with us today mm-hmm. uh, for this recording. But this is just something that's on our minds right now because we actually just had a really long conversation not too long ago. And we thought that's something we need to share mm-hmm. of kind of what we were thinking of. Because like you said, not only is it big to us, like the whole idea of, of church. I mean, obviously, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. I mean, we plays a huge part uh, in our lives. Church is God's idea. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Um, But also just how it, I mean, it plays out in our daily lives because the church is God's idea. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that we have to put a very, very high emphasis on. It's not perfect, of course, because it's made up of imperfect people like you and I. It's -hmm. not perfect. And if you're looking for the perfect church, you're not going to find it. And it won't be perfect if you join it. Well, that's absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But God instituted the church because you and I have been on staff at churches and raised in church our whole life. I didn't know any better. I'd say I was born in church. Yeah. Yeah, Uh, I think I was born on a Sunday morning and uh, the next (laughs) Sunday morning I was actually in church from the hospital. So, yeah, I think I could write a book, honestly, on church life and church people. Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a bestseller. I may Mm -hmm. go for that. But I asked you a question yesterday and I said to you, if you could do any job at all related to church, Mm -hmm. like if there was a position that you could take related to the world of church work, church ministry, what would that be? And you had the most interesting answer and not one that I have ever heard anyone say. But after you said it, I was like, hmm, I totally agree with that so much. When I first say it, you're going to think that's countercultural in the church world, and that's a horrible idea. Mm-hmm. Because like you said, I've been involved. I've been a campus pastor of a multi-site church. I have been a youth pastor, a care and connections pastor. What I would like to do, if I, if someone just said, you have five years worth of research funding. This is your salary. Go you there for and prosper. Do your thing. I would look to churches that are not as effective as they could be. You know, church health is a big deal. Um, essentially, I would close churches. Now, that that's the... Yes. Now, don't pass out. <laughs> Stick with me. Don't turn it off. And let him explain what he means by that. The reason I would close churches is with the idea and the plan of reopening them stronger and healthier. For example, here, like we're in North Carolina, where we physically are right now, but wherever you're listening in America, a lot of places, this is also the case. So anywhere you're driving down the road, you're going to pass Church A. Mm-hmm. And then give it about two, half three miles. Mile. <laughs> yeah, half a mile in some cases. You've got Church B. And then a few more miles, you got Church C. Every every corner, just about every corner in America. Yes. Yeah. And in a lot of cases, they're going to be the same denomination. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that and you think a lot of times, you know, you hear the running joke of, you know, they 
outgrew this church and built a bigger church right beside of it. And then they got mad and built a bigger church beside. A lot of times that's actually true. Mm-hmm. And it's actually the church that's two miles down the road is from 1970 was a split off of that church. And then they, okay, that's exhausting. So now here we sit with church A, church B, church C within a five mile radius of each other. And all three of them are on a good day, about a quarter of the way full. You've got one full-time staff member, the the lead pastor, who is really doing the job of three or four staff mm-hmm. members. Even with yeah. a smaller congregation, you've got hospital visits, you've got things to prepare. The, a lot of times I know pastors that clean the building on Saturday yeah. nights before and, and just everything. Mm-hmm. They're exhausted. They're, they're financially in big trouble. Completely financially strapped. There's barely enough coming in to keep the doors open. So that forces the pastor to be bivocational. That also leads to we're seeing astounding numbers of church burnout with pastors just completely leaving the the pulpit altogether. 80% of pastors right now Mm-hmm. Uh, by research says that that many, 80% are depressed. I believe it because mm-hmm. pastors are who people go to for that encouragement, that help, that counseling. But many pastors, as you know this as well, Melody, they don't have an outlet. Very few pastors have close friends. Mm-hmm. And that's a problem. So you've got church A, church B, church C, that they all three are kind of in the same situation in a five mile radius of each other. And I'm thinking, well, how effective would it be if someone went in and met with these three pastors, these three congregations and said, number one, you're going to have to look outside of yourself and see the greater good for the kingdom. Amen. Yes. This is not about your church. And I'm very thankful that your great, great granddaddy laid that cornerstone of the building when they built this in 1912. I'm thankful for that. But if you want to be effective for the kingdom of God, that might mean you don't meet in this building anymore. That might mean that you're going to let go of your red carpet and go to the church that has blue carpet. You're going to have to be okay with that. Yeah. And that sounds ridiculous, but it's actually true. That's a real instance of people. It is true because that building that they are being asked to go to may be much more productive and Mm -hmm. space that will be used much better Mm -hmm. and easier and able to grow even more. And you got to move to do that. You have to leave what you've been so comfortable with for so Mm -hmm. long. And I get it. Like, I get it. I will time out because (laughs) I'm older and I I have been at my church my whole life. It's the only church you've ever been a member of, right? Yes. The same (laughs) church. And now I'm on staff at that same church. Mm -hmm. For 36 years, I've been on staff of the church that I grew up in. And I love my Mm -hmm. church. I love the people in the church. So that if that would stay intact, that's a biggie, you know. Uh, But I love the facility of our church as well because it provides amazing memories Mm -hmm. for me. I was in the children's department. Then I was in the youth department. Then I was in the young adults department, you know, and I have I have done every every job in that church at least once, sometimes twice around the block. Your children were baptized in that church. Lindsay was married there. Weren't you married there? I was married. Lindsay walked down the aisle in my wedding gown (laughs) and the same exact place. And so I get that. I get the memories are just, you know, they are in our hearts. Mm -hmm. But that's where they can stay is in our hearts. Mm -hmm. And again, as you just said, to think of the greater good, what would best serve the kingdom? Mm -hmm. What would share more Jesus with other people? And sometimes that means us making some hard moves, some hard changes. And that's what I mean by 
you know, closing churches, which again, sounds very counterproductive, but when you can combine resources, maybe that means the best facility or the largest facility and those congregations with those three completely burnt out pastors come together, share Mm -hmm. your resources, share the load, work together as a team. And now you can have a a healthier congregation, move to a healthy congregation and combine your financial resources. Even let's begin a children's ministry. So we have a future of the church. Let's Mm -hmm. begin an outreach ministry. Let's begin if it's feeding the hungry, clothing people Mm -hmm. that need it. And then let's grow. And then healthy things by default will grow. That's how you know something is healthy. It will grow. So if you focus on your health, then you start growing. And then this comes in part B of that plan is you close a church to open a church. And what I mean by that is if you can combine resources and grow, then now you're outgrowing that facility. And you cannot view that as division of, oh, here we got to go there. No, that's multiplication. Mm -hmm. Now you have multiplied yourself for the kingdom to now be effective in your community. And now you've got to start using that other building because your congregation is so big because now more people than ever before are here the gospel. That's a win for the kingdom. Mm -hmm. But we got to look outside of ourselves for that to happen and say, what is best for the kingdom of God? So you're saying that you don't necessarily need to sell the the other churches off. You hang on to those because you could be moving again Mm -hmm. to use that building because of the growth. Yeah. And it could be because later on down the road, you would need it for a congregation on Sunday morning, or it could be you use that, keep that building because it can be a food pantry used for, yeah, a food mm-hmm. pantry or a clothing ministry. Maybe there's a need in your community for after school care. Mm-hmm. I don't, there, uh, a preschool, I mean, the daycare, the possibilities. Mentor programs. Yes. Yeah. So, and of course, all this is in theory of what I would picture of happening. There's a million different scenarios and logistics. Obviously, you have to be doctrinally on the same page to be able to do this and personalities. There's a lot that would go into that. So I know I'm painting a very abbreviated, perfect picture of how that would happen. But I think that would be very effective. And I, I just in my drive from my house to here where I'm sitting right now, I have seen places. I'm like, man, if that could happen right there, there's these two or three places right there. I would just love to theoretically have that have that conversation, sit down and have that conversation with pastors and congregations of, can we see how we can combine some resources here and be effective and not be stagnant and burnt out and ineffective? Yeah, a couple of things. Um, I think COVID has caused a lot of churches that were kind of struggling even before COVID to close down. And I think you've looked it up, Gabe, how many churches across our country have closed? It is astounding how many, if you were to go to a commercial real estate website right now and look at the amount of church buildings that are on the market. And then two months from now, go to that same site and look up. I can almost guarantee you there will be more Mm -hmm. properties for sale because I've been doing that just for my own personal curiosity. Mm -hmm. And it is incredible how many church buildings nearly weekly that I look are up for sale. And a lot of that is, like you said, Melody, Mm -hmm. um, churches that were already struggling financially and with people. And as congregations age, of course, then your congregation will dwindle unless you have a youth program or a youth ministry. And uh, that kind of just put the nail on the coffin, so to speak, to that congregation. And it's so sad. It's heartbreaking to see absolutely beautiful church facilities that are now grasses growing up, the paints, you know, it just, it's heartbreaking. Broken. Yeah, it's heartbreaking it, uh, to see that. It is. The other thing of that is, and because when we talked about this, you and I just talked about it recently together, I had already thought so many times, again, this is just 
me thinking, and I may be totally off base, and that wouldn't surprise me or probably anyone else (laughs) if I am, but there's so many churches now that are producing satellite churches. Mm -hmm. So it is is a main body church Mm -hmm. in this location. Yeah. And then they're going to the outskirts of their particular city, opening a new church here, a new church across town, a new church 40 miles that way and 60 that way. And all that's good. I do not have anything against that because, in my opinion, the more church, the better, you know? Right. But I'm thinking, wouldn't it be nice? Now, first of all, I know it would have to be a doctrinally sound situation for each particular church. Let me use my church. I am Southern Baptist. I think you are too, Gabe. You're Mm -hmm. Southern Baptist. Um, So let's just say my church expands to 10 satellite churches throughout our city and area. The whole region. The whole region. And we have like now the main body church, and then you've got 10 satellite churches. Again, nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But wouldn't it be nice if some churches, instead of starting a brand new satellite church, took those same people that were going to go plant that church Mm -hmm. and move into some churches, same denomination, so that you know you believe the same thing? Mm -hmm. Because that could be a mess. (laughs) you got to be very careful and discerning in that process. Mm -hmm. But if they would go into the church that is struggling a bit, the church that could use a jump start, you know, you get 15, 20 people that are going to go over here and plant a church and you move that 15 or 20 people. People into a church that just has got a great church, has got a great facility. They need some help. They just need workers. They need people that are willing to say, yeah, I'm going to help. We're going to help with this children's program. And some energy. Yeah, just (laughs) some energy. Sometimes you just need some rejuvenation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you need some different ideas. Sometimes you need to look at things differently. And Mm -hmm. when you've been inside of a church for so long, it's kind of hard to see Mm -hmm. it any other way. I remember one time, this is just a side example of what I mean by that. We had a a visitor walk in our church. And later, sometimes we ask our visitors that end up joining, what are some things that you think we could change that would make it better? And I remember one particular lady was talking about one of our hallways. And she said, it is like a dungeon when you walk through here. Mm-hmm. It was just dark lighting. Mm-hmm. We're so used to it yeah. that we don't notice it anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we got to work and we installed brand new lighting that's bright and happy. And, and that's what I'm saying about the church as a whole. Sometimes we are so used to what we have that mm-hmm. we need someone to come in and say, look, I think this would be fantastic. You all have got this. Why don't we do this to make it even more productive yeah. and and more uh, inviting to bring others in so that we can share Jesus with them. Mm-hmm. So I guess my idea or my thought is, wouldn't it be nice if some of these planting churches would go into already established churches that just need a little help so that that church two months, one year, five years down the road does not close? Mm-hmm. I think that's an excellent idea. And my pastor several weeks ago shared some statistics. I don't remember them exactly, but I do know it was astounding of what typically, you know, there are research groups that look at this for the church world and say, you know, this many churches on average close per year. Mm -hmm. This many churches on average open per year. And they're roughly even Hmm. like 
So our population in our nation is growing. Our church, we're keeping pretty much a net, keeping about the same on our church growth. So we're not keeping up with population, but we're almost opening as many new churches as are closing. So right. what you're saying, Melody, is is a great idea because as church congregations are dying out and closing, and we've got these new people coming in with energy and all that and opening, why, why not combine those resources? But here, this is just another little side note, since COVID and since just the extreme decline in church attendance, even now, since for a lot of areas, it's safe to return, of course, the numbers have over doubled of churches that are expected to close in the Mm -hmm. next year. And we are not keeping up with the reopening. So when I say we need to close churches, I don't, those are churches that are closing with no plan to reopen, sell the property. We have no congregation, no pastor, no nothing. I'm saying let's be more strategic and more resourceful about it with the intention of multiplying because let's just look at every church in America right now that could hold warm bodies in seats. Mm-hmm. If you if every church in America right now across all denominations was filled to capacity, we still wouldn't have enough for the population. Mm-hmm. Now, that's in a perfect world, of course, that every person every Sunday morning is in a church building, right. of course. But I'm just saying right. it's not that we need to close churches because we have too many. It's that I just really don't think as the body of Christ, we are not being as effective as we could be. We've got great ideas and we got some energy, mm-hmm. but we can be way more resourceful about it in the communities that already have a Christian presence. Right. I think this topic is one that we could expound on in a lot of other ways, and we may do just that. Oh, that was only ca- point one of yes. my 10-point sermon that I have prepared. Oh, Oh, my word. Here's point. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll have some time to just expound on it even more. So mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting topic uh, for, for those of us where the church is just, we love it. You know, you and I love the church and we don't want to see that go away. Mm-hmm. We want it to be as good as it can be. Yes. And why is that? Because of Jesus. Amen. You know, it was mm-hmm. his idea. The church is not something that man made up. Right. <laughs> he, he, the idea of church and gathering together Praying together, singing together, worshiping together was God's idea. Mm-hmm. We love it. Yep. If you, you know. don't believe it, read the book of Acts. Yeah. <laughs> read the book of Acts, the and New we'll Testament talk. church. Yeah. So maybe we'll we'll expound on point two, Gabe. Uh, coming <laughs> pack a up. lunch. Yeah, pack a lunch and we'll have nap time in between. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Quirks, Bumps, and Bruises podcast with Melody, Candy, and Gabe. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and share the podcast. You can learn more at joyfm.org.